1: Am, am I the only one that gets these annoying text messages? How did the how how'd these political folks get their hands on my cell phone number? How did they? What, he, you, oh, you want to hear the most recent one I got? Yeah, it comes from moveon.org. Here it is. Oh, and I'm also going to, when I share this with you, I'm going to reveal something uh, uh, about myself. Uh, it turns out my first name isn't Lee. My full name is Alan Lee Lonsberry, the third. Fun fact, file it away. Here's the text message I got here this morning. It says, hi, Alan. Hi, hi Alan. It's Sophie with MoveOn. This morning, Senate Republicans voted to advance Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court nomination. Now it's time to make them pay at the ballot box. And then it goes on. Move on's investing more than $2 million in a massive TV and digital ad blitz to defeat Lindsey Graham in South Carolina, Martha McSally in Arizona, Susan Collins in Maine, and Kelly Loeffler in Georgia. Can you chip in $15 to help keep our ads on the air? Oh, it gives me an option. Reply stop to unsubscribe. Here we go. S-T-O-P and send. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. Thank you for waiting through that with me. Uh, th- th- this first segment of today's episode. Thank you for being a part of today's show, by the way. Thanks for tuning in. Lee Lonsberry here. Episode number 213 of Live Mike. Oh, there's the response. I have been successfully unsubscribed. I will not receive any more messages from this number. Great. Uh, okay, last night. Last night was the final presidential debate. Uh, Did you watch it? Did you have any thoughts? Uh, After the commercial break here in a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to call in. I do want to talk to you. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I want to know what the conversations were like in your living rooms as you got together uh, to watch the debate with your family. I'll give you the number now, uh, 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Let me share with you some of my thoughts. We'll take a break, and then you and I can shoot the breeze about what took place last night. Uh, I look at it this way. It it wasn't inspiring. It it wasn't inspiring, but at least it wasn't embarrassing. The presidential candidates were loud. They were often off-topic, heavily critical of one another, sometimes petty. They were frustrated, and in a surprising divergence from the first affair, they adhered to the format, which provided for a stark difference in tone and feel from the first face-off between the two men. Uh, relatively, it was a successful show. But you see, relatively, there is the key word. Last night certainly was void of the eloquence that we can find in presidential debates of yesteryear.
0: Good as this record is,
1: may
2: I emphasize, it isn't enough.
0: A record is never something to stand on. It's something to build on. And in building on this record, I believe that we have the secret for progress. We know the way to progress. And I think, first of all,
2: our own record proves that we know the way. I
1: want to share with you just a few quick clips. There was uh, President Nixon uh, during one of his debates. I want to share with you just a few quick clips uh, excerpts that I have stumbled upon from presidential debates of yesteryear. Uh, Those, I believe, uh, demonstrate uh, a certain eloquence and musicality that uh, is void of today's uh, political speak, and specifically in the setting of a presidential debate. Here's JFK. In the election of 1960 and with the world around us, the question is whether the world
0: will exist, half slave or half free, whether it will move in the direction of
1: freedom, in the direction of the road that we are taking, or whether it will move in the direction of slavery. Did you hear that? Just the way the words were put together, the way there was pacing to their delivery. We can debate policy and all that later, and we'll certainly get to that later on in the program, debating the policy presented by the candidates in last night's debate. Uh, but there is something in the delivery, something about the inviting nature of the conversations that made up the debates of yesteryear. Last example here uh, from President Reagan. Uh, It shows off a a bit of wit, an inviting wit, that I don't think we saw last night. It was Seneca or
0: it was Cicero, I don't know which, that said, if it was not for the elders correcting the mistakes of the young, there would be no state.
1: You hear that? There was a time when our candidates, they spoke differently. There was a musicality and a clarity to their delivery and communication, which I believe has since been lost. There are those today who retain the ability to extemporaneously speak at this level. Most recently, I saw it come from uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett as she faced the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, If you have occasion to go back and listen to some of her, again, extemporaneous responses to the questions posed to her by members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, there is a great master class in clear, concise, expert delivery, uh, done so in a compelling manner, appropriate for the setting, the setting there before members of the Senate and before the American people. And to put an exclamation mark on the end of her performance, you remember that last scene towards the end where she was asked to hold up her notes and show to everyone uh, those notes that she was using? And what did she hold up? She held up a blank sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper, I view her more as the exception than the rule. By and large, uh, this eloquence, this clarity, the musicality of delivery is a dying art, by and large, a craft that's fallen out of frequency. Now, why is it the case? Politics and life today uh, is certainly more frenetic than in our past. There is a constant pressure to produce content, right? I'm in that business. Right, We are on the air 24 hours a day and it is at every moment uh, a heavy, heavy burden to come up with something to say, something to to produce, to share with the audience, to uh, maintain your attention, to inform you, to to bring value to your listening experience. Uh, our, Our candidates today are in front of cameras and in the public eye much more frequently than in the past. I believe this may lead to a very natural time management problem. It takes time to prepare to communicate. Believe me, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> and you may be saying to yourself, uh, "Lee, you might want to, you might want to take a little more time, all oh, with that stuttering and stammering and fast talking and the stumbling you do over your own words." There, maybe take a little more time. Slow down. Y- you're right. You're right. With so much more competing for time, the contemplative and thoughtful time spent preparing for public presentations has likely been sacrificed to feed the hunger for now, now, now. With that said, there are many who are comforted by today's more blunted and off-the-cuff plain speak. It may come off as more in line with the parlance and pace of how we speak ourselves. There, there is wisdom and value in relatability, We are drawn to what we know. We are drawn to what we are. Now, are today's two presidential candidates manifestations of who we are? As you watched the debate last night, did you see reflections of yourself in either of the two contestants? Do you familiarize with the bombastic stylings of Donald Trump?
0: I could blow away your records That, like you wouldn't believe. We don't need money. We have plenty of money. In fact, we beat Hillary Clinton with a tiny fraction of the money that she was able to.
1: Or maybe, maybe you see yourself in the sarcastic replies of Joe Biden. Abraham Lincoln here is one
2: of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history.
1: Whatever the case, it is undeniable that speaking, debating, and persuasive styles of today's politicians are far different than those on display not that long ago. Blame 24-hour cable news. Blame Twitter. Uh, blame our ravenous appetite for the outrageous. Whatever the cause, here we are. And I'd ask, do we want to stay here? If so, the job is very easy. Uh, You and I, let's just stay the course. If not, the job is a little tougher. It requires us to become more engaged, to demand more, to support those who inspire us and not those who merely entertain us. Truth and civility are not dead. They're just riding the bench for a little while. You and I can get them back in the game. And it's going to take some time. We must continue to demand excellence at every turn. Last night's debate was obviously closer than the first presidential debate, and I'm optimistic we can continue on this trajectory. Regardless of who ends up calling the White House home next year, there are, there are brighter days ahead. There are brighter days. Truth and civility will again emerge at the forefront. The, the, the musicality and the strength and speed and eloquence of communication, I believe, will return. We're going to sort it all out. But what do, we, what do you think? How do you feel? I want to know about your reaction to last night's debate. So right now, my invitation, pick up the phone and give me a call. It's 801-575-8255, 801-575-8255. How about about the moderator and the mute button? We have a lot to talk about. I had great misgivings at first when I heard about this mute button. I thought it was going to lead to confusion and anger, but honestly, I think it ended up being a valuable tool, which aided in keeping the train on the rails and keeping the debate moving forward. 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Call me. You and I will chat next after the break here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Can you believe it? Ten days. It quite literally seems like yesterday. It feels like it was just yesterday that it was election night 2016. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. The, astounding! Uh, the the How could the the polls have been so wrong? Uh, this is uh, uh, an amazing and unpredicted and unprecedented move. What, what a fascinating chapter of United States history is beginning today. And we'll see how history judges it years and years down the road, how they uh, write the chapter that includes uh, these past four years. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading it, uh, and hopefully they'll give me a chance to, to write a little bit of it because I've got some thoughts, as you well know. The topic of this segment is the debate of last night, of course. And my invitation to you is to weigh in and share some of your thoughts. I want to uh, invite you, obviously, to get on the phone. and We've got some callers waiting. We'll get to them in just a moment. The number for you, 801-575-8255. It's easy to remember, 801-KSL-TALK. Give me a call. My my question to you uh, is, first off, what did you think of last night? After you watched uh, the two candidates... From the major parties, Republicans and Democrats, uh, their nominees up there duking it out again for the second time face to face. What did you think? How did it compare to the first one? I think there's some natural observations to draw there. Uh, it was much more civil. It was much more controlled. There was much more talk of uh, substance and policy, while still short on that, if you compare it to those few weeks ago, ugh, uh, <laughs> different, different, affair. Uh, Took place last night. Also, would like to hear your thoughts on the the mute button. You remember that it was the Commission on Presidential Debates made an announcement not long after the first presidential debate that, in an effort to uh, you know keep things moving along and to maintain the ability for the audience to hear what was being said, that a mute button would be a part uh, of the of the evening's affair. And well, uh, that is exactly uh, what happened last night. I thought I thought it was going to be a mess. I really did. I predicted that that the mute button was going to turn into a distracting character all on its own. I thought that there would be instances where either candidate uh, would be muted and instead of taking that as a cue to okay, wrap it up and stop talking, they would instead uh, try to shout and be picked up by other microphones in the the studio there. Or if not that, uh, hope to maybe distract their opponent. But that didn't happen. It didn't happen. And in fact, it would take a very trained ear uh, and eye to observe exactly where the mute button was was used. So who knows, it may have set the standard for future presidential debates going forward and congressional debates, all the debates, you know, that uh, that help at least to an extent inform our understanding of, uh, you know, who we think may best represent us in government. Five, seven, five, zero, zero is the Utah community credit union text line. If you'd like to weigh in there, uh, I would be eager to hear from you. There are some uh, observations coming in. Oh, uh, this is, uh, yeah, I remember uh, Amanda used to do that segment. She'd have high schoolers uh, on the program. She said, uh, this texter says, they uh, talked very eloquently. Our politicians could learn something from them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not about not a bad point. Uh, That making reference to one of my observations uh, I shared with you just before the commercial break, that there is, uh, you know, something of an eloquence and an ease with the English language that was possessed by politicians of yesteryear. And I have seen it fallen off in. Uh, in recent years, and it was certainly, uh, you know, not a it was not a, a demonstration of the most eloquent of English speaking last night during the debate. But uh, as I said, relatively, relatively, it was fine. Uh, relatively, when you compare it to the first debate, uh, we were in much better shape. And also, uh, while I'm begging you to to call in and weigh in, I'd like to talk to you too about the moderator, Kristen Welker. She was. Uh, she, she made Republicans very nervous. As it was announced that she would be moderating this debate, uh, she made the commentators, the the, the conservative Republican uh, commentators, very nervous. Why? Well, because she has. She's been a member of the White House press pool for uh, for some time now, and she has. If you watch those. Uh, exchanges when the the president is there, or when, say, Kayleigh McEnany is speaking on behalf of the president, uh, Kristen Welker is uh, right there working very hard uh, to to get at uh, the the answers to the questions she asks. Right? That seems like a it seems like a basic you know fundamental uh, objective of a reporter, uh, but it's difficult. You know, uh, politicians they use the word uh, pivot. When you ever hear someone use the word pivot, it means, uh, okay, you are presented with one uh, topic or one question. Uh, Your objective is to change the topic. That's called a pivot. Right, and Kristen Welker has, uh, throughout her career, you know, had an eye open to that, and uh, you know, being you know dogged and uh, sticking to the, the the substance of the questions she asked has, for some, uh, come off as combative or argumentative or aggressive or antagonistic. Uh, for for me, the jury's still out on that. But last night, last night, uh, I really only have uh, praise for her. In fact, if you were to you know just close your eyes and quickly think about the debate last night, you probably you probably wouldn't include Welker as a as a character in the play, right? It was really the, the Trump show and the Biden show, as it should be, right? The moderator wasn't a distraction. The mute button wasn't a distraction, and that sure, certainly wasn't the case uh, the the first go around. And even in the vice presidential debate, I thought Susan Page uh, kind of inserted herself a, a bit more into the presentation than uh, was. Uh, appropriate. If I were to rank the performances by the by the debate moderators uh, who moderated the two presidential debates and the vice presidential debate I would do it in this order. I would say uh, Kristen Welker uh, takes the gold medal. Susan Page then who moderated the vice presidential debate uh, gets the the silver and then bronze. Goes to Chris Wallace as he moderated the the first presidential debate, and that's a tough one. That last one is a tough one, uh, given him the bronze medal there because the you know he didn't have the aid of the muted microphone. Uh, he didn't have the aid of you know having seen what was possible when Vice President Pence and Kamala Harris uh, squared off just right up the street here at the University of Utah. Uh, but I still think that he uh, could have improved his. Uh, his effort that night. Uh, five seven five zero zero uh, is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, here's a question comes in via text. Care to comment on Biden stumbling as he spoke last night? Uh, the question, a sign of age. Uh, I, I don't know. I What I do know is that uh, Vice Former President Biden has been very clear over the years about a, a struggle that he has had uh, of a stutter. From a very young age, he w- was a man who had a, a stutter, and he spent uh, a lot of time time trying to overcome it. Uh, has gone through like the mental exercises and the conditioning to, uh, you know, arrive at the at his abilities of today. And so I I wouldn't say I don't observe the stuttering and stammering as a sign of age. There may be things at play, but I uh, on the stuttering give him a pass uh, in part because you know his, his story is. is is an interesting one, and it is uh, inspiring to a degree that he was able to overcome it. Uh, Also, I'm kind of a stutterer and a stammerer myself, as you well know. And so you are not going to find me, you are not going to find me giving stutterers and stammerers a hard time. Before we go to break, let's welcome Wendy from Orem with some thoughts. Wendy, what do you think?
0: Well, I thought President Trump did a good job, and I'm glad that he stayed calm. That was good. And I just appreciate him, and I just, Well, about the way that a politician would speak so elegantly is one of the problems that we got tired of hearing all their flowery talk, but their actions didn't match what they said. I'd rather have someone that speaks their mind, and I know I can trust, and I feel like we have that in President Trump.
1: Okay. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for the call. An interesting point there. You know, I talk about the strength and the value of you know an eloquent speaker. The uh, good reminder there from Wendy is that it is not so much the words which should inspire us, but rather uh, the actions. A pretty good school of thought to, to take into much decision-making in life. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a bit. And welcome to the program, Senator Mike Lee. We're going to talk about two things. Number one, the progress in the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, and also a tweet he sent out about democracy. You may have seen it. He says that America is not a democracy. What did he mean? He'll explain next on Live Mike. I'm Li- I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh If you wouldn't mind, go back later today and listen to that explanation from Senator Lee uh, regarding the tweet that he sent out some time ago, uh, but which has uh, been been keeping people's attention and frustrating some who lack a little bit of understanding when it comes to very basic civics. Uh, And it was the tweet he sent out on the day of the vice presidential debate. He, uh, in just a few short words via Twitter, said, we're not a democracy. And the responses to that were, oh, my gosh, well, see, look at this. Uh, Another politician wants to reject me. No, 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 that's that's not what he meant. And if you have... Uh, you know, ever spent time, you know, listening to him speak on this topic, you know exactly what he meant. Uh, Anyway, he explained in the segment prior. So if you uh, have some time, and I hope you can find it, go download the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services. On there, you can listen to podcasted segments of this program. Uh, And that explanation given just a moment ago from Senator Lee is a valuable, valuable one to hear. Also, as a bonus... As a bonus in that segment, you'll get to hear uh, a little bit of a historical explanation as to some interesting senatorial procedures which took place uh, earlier today on the floor of the Senate. Something that hasn't happened uh, in almost two decades <laughs> and happens very rarely in American history. Anyway, uh, that's, my, that's my plea uh, and my pitch for you to go have a listen to the podcast later on. Right now, though, I'm joined by Derek Brown, chair of the Utah Republican Party, to speak about uh, how things went last night. As the two candidates for president uh, stood side by side for the last time before election day and debated, uh, Chairman Sir, how are you?
0: I'm well. I'm, I'm exhausted and counting down the days so election, as you can imagine. But uh, but feeling good.
1: As someone in your position, and, and this is probably an unfair question this year, because who knows when we'll actually get uh, you know some finality to the election results? <laughs> That's but, a
0: totally unfair
1: question. I yeah. know where you're going. <laughs> what, what, how do you let your hair down the day after?
0: Uh, well you don't that's the problem is in the good old days, you know you'd get a, about ten o'clock, you get the final results and you could all go to bed and feel pretty good about things. And you know, as we saw with the primary election just a few months ago, it can take it can take up to a week. So for anyone hoping for finality election night, um, you know don't don't get your hopes up it'll it'll take a little process
1: here. Can, can I read a prediction into your comment there? Do you think it'll take about a week?
0: Um, you know, for most of the races, it won't. My guess is, is that probably 90 to 95% of the, the big races, at least here in Utah, right. we, we'll know there'll be a number of probably house races that are kind of in the middle, but um, we'll see. I mean, as of this morning, over 400,000 people have voted and clerks have processed those ballots right now. And so, I mean, that's an amazing turnout. And so the more people that vote early, uh, the better it is. That means there's less to process at the end. So I guess my plea to anyone listening is if you if you've got your ballot sitting there on the kitchen table or whatever fill it out send it in don't wait until the last day
1: and there's very little reason to delay now you know some could have made the argument a week ago that well there are some still debates to come uh we may learn something in that setting but uh but the presidential debates are over with all of the uh, utah debate commission debates are over with we've heard from the candidates uh right now it's up to us
0: exactly and and i don't know you know how much is going to change and uh one of the nice things about having a longer process like this, when it comes to, and instead of election day, we have sort of election three weeks. Um, it's this idea of an October surprise is minimized.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's turn our uh, attention to last night. H- how do you think things went? What's your big takeaway from last night?
0: Well, I think that we also had a completely different debate than the one we saw just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and I think there was a lot more substance. I mean, last time it seemed like it was just two guys that had a long you know, kind of uh, nasty history, just kind of barking at each other. This time, we got a lot more substance. And I think it was interesting to, to see certain things. I mean, the fact that Biden says he wants to just get rid of, you know, fossil fuels, which is roughly 8% of our GDP. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. And and for me, one of the disappointments was that so much of what the president's been doing from a from a foreign policy standpoint, just really never got mentioned. I mean, the piece that he's Truck all, you know, in, in the Middle East. And in fact, this morning, it looks like Sudan has now agreed to normalize relations with Israel. And that's another one of his foreign policy achievements. So we really didn't see much of that last night.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I was uh, uh, I, I kind of shared some of the frustrations as those of the uh, the Trump campaign in that letter sent to the commission that the, the topics that were announced ahead of time were void of Uh, You know, foreign policy. And I tried to think and, uh, you know, plan hypothetically if I were advising the two candidates, how would I advise them to try to kind of shoehorn foreign uh, relations uh, insight into the responses to those various categories? And uh, I think at the end of the day, what you point out is correct that we were, uh, you know, from neither candidate uh, informed much about their. Uh, foreign policy. So you, you pointed out something interesting, something that I have observed, and I think we all across the country have observed, that if you were to compare uh, you know, the first presidential debate to what we saw last night, uh, night and day, but then the question is, what, what brought that about? There are a few things that have happened. Uh, a new moderator, there is the mute button, plus there is the example set by uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Vice <laughs> President Pence. Uh, to what do you attribute the, the change in tone of last night?
2: Well,
0: I think there were enough people across America who saw the first debate and kind of recoiled in horror. I mean, it wasn't like one side could honestly declare victory and the other side was disappointed. I think everybody kind of came away from that feeling like, can't we do better? We can do better. And and that may be, in part, some of the response that we saw here in Utah with our two governor candidates. I mean, Spencer Cox had this great piece, uh, you know, where he talks about civility together with the Democrat candidate for governor. And that thing went viral overnight and was talked about in, you know, the BBC and Good Morning America. And I think a lot of that sort of uh, that attention may have been because of that debate and the fact that everyone sort of is clamoring for a little more civility, a little more kindness in the way that we we do things.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, it was a unanimously observed (laughs) sentiment that, uh, yeah, that that first one didn't quite work out. Uh, Gentlemen, can you improve? Uh, At the end of the day, at the end of last night's debate, do you think uh, President Trump comes away with more, fewer or the same uh, amount of supporters?
0: I think slightly more. But I think the the, the real takeaway is I think most people can feel better about casting the vote for whomever they were going to cast the vote for before. I think we all kind of feel like, all right, these these are people who can have normal, rational discussions. And, uh, you know, and I think that that's that's you know, a positive thing. I think we, we like to see that. I think the question is, could Donald Trump, you know, can he restrain himself and and you know, behave, so to speak? And he showed last night that, you know, when when he knows he needs to, he can obviously do that. But but I think what we came away is seeing a lot more substance and a lot more on the stuff that I think will impact us. And, and frankly, I love to see, you know, sort of these offhanded moments where, you know, Biden tried to deflect from these uncomfortable questions about his dealings internationally, and said, "Well, let's talk about your family, you know, at your dinner table." And and the president immediately just called him on it and said, "All right, come on." And and I think we like to see those moments. And 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 uh, and I think that's one of the takeaways I think of last night.
1: You you, you think it was fair for for President Trump to call out uh, Joe Biden in his in his stylistic approach to to communicating in that moment? Uh, the To to remind folks, uh, former Vice President Biden, he turned himself physically, stared straight into the camera, spoke uh, about conversations taking place at the kitchen table. And, and, well, you know, if you watched it, you remember. And then President Trump's response to that was uh, essentially to call it a a charade and and inappropriate pageantry. Was that an appropriate response?
0: Absolutely. And I think what it did is is I think people may have, like, not realized exactly what he was doing. But, look, I've been on debate prep before with federal candidates and then— I mean, this is – that was a planned moment. I mean, in their debate prep, I'm sure the Biden team said, look, when things get really bad and you don't know what to say, just say, hey, the American people, you know, turn to the camera and say the American people sitting at their dinner table want to know, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's – that's you know, this is a totally – it was a completely canned moment, and I think that's – he sort of called it on it. Of course, the reality is, you know, Donald Trump's been on – on television since the 70s so he understands yeah. those dynamics really well himself
1: uh last question i'll ask you it's about the mute button uh do, do you think that we will see the use of a button in a in a similarly formatted debate in the future and do you think it'll expand to uh debates that take place uh, further down the ballot more local levels
0: it may be but this may be a, a personality specific thing with these two individuals i think uh For the most part, you know, you take our debates here. I mean, I mentioned earlier Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson running for governor. Um, You know, they were a model in debate of of how debates should be. There was no need for a mute button. The time ended. They'd stop talking. They addressed the questions. They were respectful. And and I think we may see a backlash uh, against the kind of thing that we saw in the first debate. Frankly, I hope we do. I want to see more civility. I want to see more kindness and more just respect for each other regardless of the party that we that we affiliate
1: with yeah we'll leave it at that uh chairman brown thank you so much Derek brown my guest chair of the utah republican party uh thanks again for weighing in best luck to you
0: thanks lee
1: appreciate it all righty we're gonna take a quick break right here and when we return we're gonna look to the other side of the aisle i will welcome scott howell to the program we'll talk about how he reacted to last night's debate between the presidential candidates that's ahead on live mike i'm lee lonsberry and this is ksl news radio Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 138 is the KSL News time. Looking forward to the weekend. Going to spend some good time with my beautiful wife and brand new baby. You got good plans for the weekend yet? Let me know what you're up to. Five seven five zero zero. It's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Maybe I'll steal one of your ideas. Five seven five zero zero. How are you going to spend the weekend? How are you going to put this week behind you and get ready and geared up to take on next week? Uh, Give me your tips. Anyway, before we get, though, to the weekend, we do have we do have some talking to do. And right now we're going to continue the conversation, which stems from the debate of last night. The two uh, presidential candidates squared off in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, They were aided by a mute button, which uh, I've got I've got to just add some praise to the, the mute button. Uh, I It would take a, a trained ear, I think, to really have caught exactly where it was implemented. But uh, it was used a few times, and uh, I, I'm pleased with the results. I'm also uh, pleased with both candidates for for respecting it. You know, you, you could have uh, just shouted and tried to be heard on the other guy's on the other guy's uh, microphone, but uh, but they didn't. They respected it, and last night's debate, uh, by comparison at least, comparing it to the first presidential debate, uh, was a breath of fresh air. I, what I said was that uh, I wasn't, my, my first thought was, I'm not inspired, but I'm not embarrassed. And, uh, you know, that may be uh, all in all unfortunate commentary, uh, but uh, we're making progress, and that is good. To talk about uh, how things went last night, I am joined uh, by Scott Howell, former Utah State senator and a good friend of the program. Scott, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm really well, Um, Lee. I really appreciate being on this uh, 214. Is that what we're at?
1: 213. Don't get ahead of me.
2: 213. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm counting the weekend. I'm going to pretend like people are going to listen to your broadcast over the weekend and Ah, uh, on the podcast. That's right. That's great. Well, you know, you were talking about weekend, what we're doing. Unfortunately, I'm doing what we've been doing every weekend is out knocking on doors, uh, it do our door knockers and and mask and all of that and also uh get out the vote and i think that's what both campaigns will be focused on so if you want to come and join us i'm sure our campaign or their campaign we don't like to have you and you know what you just well break piper in early let's get her in this right now she could be the next president of the united states
1: oh very well uh you, you say you're a door knocker you uh, in disclosure you are a surrogate for the the joe biden campaign
2: correct Correct. I am. How did the,
1: how did things go last night for your candidate?
2: Well, uh, Joe had four things that he really needed to do. First of all, I think he needed to show people that he had the stamina, uh, that he had the mental and physical capacities to be the president. The second thing is he needed to talk specifics about his plan. That and you know neither candidate on that last thing that was called a fake debate uh, got to do that. And then the third thing is he needed to convince people that his plan was sustainable, especially on the economic. And, and last but not least, um, why people should trust and, and vote for him. And, you know, I think he did very well on all of those. Uh, I, I guess there's a fifth aspect. He also needed to act like he was the adult in the room. And, you know, there were a couple times when my family was going, oh, Joe, oh, Joe, don't take the bait. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. And, you know, he restrained himself, which was good. And I I think POTUS did a pretty good job, too. I think President Trump was able to uh, articulate some of the things that he had accomplished in this. Um, But I think there were clearly distinctions on COVID, which is the most important aspect. And we see that all over and what the plan would be of the the president and where we are and what the the Biden-Harris plan would be. So I think overall, the debate went well. I was impressed with that, Kristen. Uh, Welker, I think, how you say her last name. I, yeah. I I didn't know her. I didn't know anything about her. Uh, I had read some things on social media that she was going to be biased one way or the other. But I was really impressed. And like you, that mute button, uh, I, I thought that was going to be a disaster. But yeah. it worked great. Exactly. It worked great.
1: I was so pleasantly surprised. When I saw that, I thought, well, this, was, this what we what is shaping up. Last night, I went into watching the debate expecting to see an absolute disaster. I thought... Uh, that the, the mute button was going to, you know, just as we said, just cause uh, disaster and make it even worse than the, the first one. I, I did, there was not a moment until I saw it executed that I thought it was a, a good idea. L- let me ask you this question, and we'll get into some substance here in a second, but this one is in, in terms of presentation. There, as we have repeated uh, countless times, a stark difference between what transpired last night and what took place the first meeting of these two gentlemen as they competed for America's vote uh, but the question is, for me, why? What brought this about? We There are a few new factors. There is a, a new moderator who, again, Kristen, you you said it well. She, I think, handled herself very well. She did not become a character in the play. As I look back on the debate, I think not about the moderator, but instead the two uh, who participated. I think that's a good thing. Second, the mute button. And then third, the example set by Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, as they debated here in uh, Salt Lake City, to what do you attribute the the stark difference in tone and, uh, and and if I would go so far as to call it civility that we saw on display last night?
2: Well, I think the Senator and the Vice President clearly set an example of way that uh, uh, citizens want to be able to find out information about who they're going to vote for, and I think that vice presidential debate really set a tone, and I'm sure uh, Vice President Pence and uh, Senator Harris went back and in their dialogue and as they dissected what happened that they said, look, you can be civil in this and you can be you can enunciate your positions, but you don't have to be combative. And you know what? If you if that emotion starts to stir too much, just ignore it. And I think the candidates, both of them did last night, and I think they were able to focus on probably important uh policies, and you know it was uh, it was foreign policy, it was um, uh, health care. It, it was uh, it was a pretty good debate in terms of the issues. And that's one of the things that I really thought that Joe should have done better in the first debate is talk about what his plan was, not focused on on the president. And then I was hoping the president would say, well, this is what we learned from this experience. Uh, we're not going to have a vaccine in two or 3 weeks we're you know this is pandemic we have to take it serious and when they got into shutting down the economy we don't have to shut down the economy what we have to do is be smarter in it and i i think they both were trying to say that in a different way but you know what if we don't have we don't have citizens we're we're not going to have an economy for anything and that's the way yeah. i look at it i just think it's a simple thing of Wear your freaking mask and get out there and let's get this thing under control. Yeah, Uh,
1: Scott Howell, listen, uh, time has expired and I'm sorry about that. I wanted to talk to you about fracking, but uh, I guess we don't have time for that. I'm sorry about that. Uh, i gonna let you go. Uh, We're going to take a break here. When we return, uh, we're going to look at the coronavirus and specifically the disproportionately high impact it has had on women-owned businesses uh, across the country and right here In Utah. A business owner will join me next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence.